Your source for community, Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. This is Touching the Past with your host, Trisha Markle. Hello, my name's Trisha Markle and welcome to Touching the Past, a program where we explore the rich heritage of Huntsville, its past and not too distant past. Today, my guest is someone I've known for quite a while. We share duties on the town's heritage committee, work together forming the Huntsville and Area Historical Society, and as president of the Huntsville Train Station Society, while I was president of the Friends Muskoka Pioneer Village, we both worked to preserve local heritage. That person is Lucille Frith, and we all know of her amazing work on trying to get rail service back north. But right now, we'll go back in time and find out about the history of the train station. But before we do, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, what brought you to Huntsville? Well, actually, a car brought me to Huntsville, but it came about because we were long-time cottagers in the Muskoka region first over at Three Mile Lake and then at Lake of Bays. That's the story of many people while they moved up um, up to the area. So where did your interest in rail come from? Well, being a Westerner, I was born in Regina and basically grew up most of my life in Winnipeg. And my grandmother and grandfather were still in Regina. And it was not uncommon for me to hop on the train and go to Regina to visit my grandparents. Those were the days when a 10 or a 12 year old could travel with a few pennies in their pocket and know that they were going to be safe on the train by themselves because the conductors would look after any issues that would arise. It was very different time. We had no issues as far as traveling children alone. That's something I didn't know about you. You know, after all these years, I never realized that's actually where home was for you originally. I actually rode a steam train out west. Um, I am 79 years of age, and uh, the reality of it is that was the era of steam trains before the diesels came in. And it's an, an age I kind of miss too, because I, I traveled around England, of course, on lots of trains, and they were steam trains, you know, the smell of the smoke and the... And the was dirt. Just, <laughs> and the dirt, yeah, there was that too. Yeah. Um, so now, let's get back to local. And you've done a lot of research onto the, the train station that we have here. So I'm going to turn things over to you, Lucille, and you can just go ahead and give us any information that you have on our local train station. Many, many years of traveling back and forth on Highway 400 to the cottage. And, uh, and then retirement uh, brought us to traveling much further afield with an RV. Uh, for about 15 years, we traveled around North America. But the reality clicked in with the Huntsville train station in 2000 when we were up in Churchill, Manitoba, had having taken the train to visit the polar bears and uh, looked at the internet that night and found out the headline in the Forester was that the Huntsville Town Council had decided not to continue pursuing the purchase of the train station and that twigged my interest in our train station, the history of it and why they were going to buy it in the first place. The reality was um, CN had owned the train station and the train station meant a great deal to the town of Huntsville. 
And I'd like to go back and actually talk about the book that the friends of uh, Muskoka Pioneer Village at the time, along with a lot of other people, put together called Huntsville with Spirit and Resolve. And I would like to read you a little bit. Had the railway not arrived, Huntsville would not be the community it is today. There would be no lumber industry, no tannery, no navigation company. Huntsville would not have become the gateway to Lake Abays or the port of entry to the popular tourist destinations in northern Muskoka Lakes. Much of the credit for securing the railway is given to Dr. Howland for convincing the provincial government to run the railway through central Muskoka instead of westerly through Perry Sound. How much he or the government influenced the route of the railway is difficult to say, however, since the Forrester newspapers of that era were destroyed in the Great Fire of 1894. The federal and provincial governments did have roles to play. They granted railway charters and gave bonuses for the construction of the lines. But the decision to bring the railway north ultimately rested in the hands of the private enterprise, which based its decision on the potential revenue a railway could bring. Dozens of railway companies formed, prospered, merged, or died in the early days of steam transportation. And eventually, in 1883, the Northern and Pacific Junction Railway was formed and brought the trains to Huntsville in the summer of 1886, the year the Huntsville became a village. That same year, the first train station was built. The original two-story train station built in 1886, was estimated to cost $12,000. It was a wooden facility, including a passenger and freight station and a station master's residence above the passenger station. The complex included an iron turntable, engine house, and many other buildings on the site. Shortly after the railway opened, the canal was dredged between Ferry and Peninsula Lakes to serve the area by steamboat, and steam train. The canal was one mile long and constructed at the cost of $25,000. And in 1889, the new swing bridge opened to steamship travel. In 1904, the Portage Flyer was in operation, transporting passengers and freight from Peninsula Lake to Lake Abays, where the journey continued by steamship. And by 1920, the destination was the Big One Hotel on Lake Abays. This was the beginning of tourism and cottaging in our area of Huntsville. By the early 1920, the original wooden station was in great disrepair, and the Grand Trunk Railway, had, which was operating it, sold the railway to Canadian National Railways, who in 1924 built the current station uh, of brick, and that particular story background takes me into telling you about the site itself. Well, that, that, that's given a very concise sort of history of Huntsville, and that's great. Um, but, the, I mean, we, we could do a whole hour on the, I don't know, conniving of the rail, trying to get the railway here and all the back back deals Hoodstown. and Hoodstown <laughs> I mean, and fighting with the Bracebridge about the rail too. It's just a, such a complicated thing. We'll leave that for another day, but just to let people know that there, there's an awful long backstory to just getting the rail here. But now I'll turn it back to you and uh, you can 
tell us all about the railway station. Well, here we are in 2022, and if you were to stand on the street above the station, and I say above because most people don't even know there's a train station in town because when you're driving along, you would actually have to look over the hill down towards the lake to see the train station. But if you looked back in 1924 when the station was built, you would see this gorgeous brick building with this enormous uh, roof line uh, with a freight shed attached to it. The um, building is down the hill, as I say, and if you had your horse and buggy and you went down the hill, down the gravel road to the station, you would have to cross a set of tracks because unlike today, there was a set of tracks at the front on the lakeside and there was a set of tracks on the back next to the road and the backside freight uh, set of tracks carried the freight trains onwards and the front side set of tracks were primarily used to drop the passengers at the station. So having crossed the set of tracks you would then park your horse and buggy probably adjacent to the port cochere which is like a covered Um, garage area or carport as we would call it today which was used for storing the baggage carts uh, with the baggage that came off the trains or the steamship. Mentioning the steamship there was actually a third set of tracks coming into Huntsville and they came off to the lakeside uh, down to a siding which stopped at the dock, the station dock this siding was uh, about, uh, had a covered area walkway adjacent to where the train would stop with about 100 feet of roof, which was then connected to the dock uh, area where the Algonquin steamship would take the passengers who got off the train. So imagine 1924 when the, ship, the steamship was tied up to the dock and the train pulled into the dockside siding, um, people would disembark with their large trunks and uh, their long gowns and their fancy hats um, and multitude of people because they were coming to stay for a period of time and they would get on the Algonquin and head out that way. Well, I'm just going to have to interrupt you for a moment, Lucille. We'll take a very short break and we'll be back. Buy Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay, 88.7. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. This is Touching the Past with your host, Trisha Markle. Welcome back to Touching the Past with my guest, Lucille Frith. We're finding out the history of our train station. So, Lucille... Back to you. I'm learning a whole bunch of things that I didn't know, and I thought I knew a lot of history about. We'll we'll just continue on with the dock then, because in the spring, uh, when the ice melts, uh, you don't necessarily see the dock. But as the water level recedes, you'll see the piers from the original dock uh, sticking out through the water even today, almost 100 years later. That was the beginning of tourism in Muskoka when you could actually move people from the train around to the various lakes and it leads me into 
the swing bridge so the steamship could go through to uh, Ferry Lake and then into Peninsula Lake, the building of the canal, uh, which or the dredging of the canal so that that steamship could make the trip, and then over to North Portage where the little Portage Flyer would pick people up, drag the little train up and over that hill uh, to South Portage and uh, be transferring uh, passengers onto a steamship at that point to take them around Lake of Bays. And that kind of travel uh, was the start of tourism in Muskoka, where the steamships would bring people to a particular hotel, and then they would fall in love with the area, and they'd say, I wonder if that piece of property next door is for sale. And that's how one after another pieces of property were purchased. Uh, Supplies all came by the steamship because there weren't any roads that got into the lake areas, but the people did end up building uh, what we would call cottages at that time. I'd like to go back to the outside of the train station for a moment because um, there are some key identifiers as far as the sign on the train station says Huntsville so many miles. Of course, railroads were done in miles and not in kilometers. So if we If we go back to the road and coming down the road again, and we've crossed that set of tracks, and we've come to the front door of the train station, we open the front door, and right in front of us, about uh, 12 feet inside the door, you would see a concrete patch in the terrazzo floor. Uh, The terrazzo, of course, was the result of all the Italians who had come to the Great Canadian Leather Company, sorry, Anglo-Canadian Leather Company, uh, to work. because they were very talented uh, in construction, particularly in making terrazzo. Anyway, this concrete patch in the floor basically uh, would have been where the two passenger benches would have been sitting um, over a steel grate because the original coal furnace, which heated the building, uh, was a gravity feed and the hot air would come up through that grate and warm people's backside sitting on the bench. The other thing that was interesting in the original train station was that on your left going through you would find a wall with men's and women's washrooms. The men's washrooms, washroom wasn't particularly interesting but the women's was because in those days in, uh, um, women's use of washrooms They didn't simply use it for toileting. They used it also for resting. Just the same as Eaton's in Toronto would have a resting bench, they would often have a couch uh, in an anteroom with several chairs where women could go and rest because it was thought that that was needed. And that was in the, and then you had the washroom on the other side. The train station itself also had a baggage room, which is where the um, baggage would have been stored uh, waiting for the next train or heading off down to the dock. The train station itself had another peculiar feature, and that was a freight shed. And at the time um, we're talking now, that freight shed is only one of about three in all of Canada that's still in existence, still the original one. It was refurbished, and now CN occupies part of it for their work on the rail. Train service developed Huntsville. Um, It brought kids to camp where 
they would enjoy part of their summers. It brought families to move to Huntsville and the area. It brought um, tradespeople. The trains were a valuable service. And unfortunately, other modes of transportation came into existence. The use of construction of highways and motor vehicles and airline travel meant that uh, fewer people would take the train. Number of cars, number of uh, trains running would be reduced. And eventually, as time went by, uh, changing of hands of the ownership of the trains and the, the business of uh, operating a train. Yeah, the growth of freight took over. We were hauling minerals and, and timber uh, from the north through Huntsville, and the number of people coming up by rail diminished as the number of cars and the number of lanes of highway grew. Uh, the convenience of loading everybody in the car along with the dogs and the cats and the food, um, meant that pe fewer people were riding the train. However, at the same point, the airline industry was growing like crazy around the world, and people would take the airline to um, Toronto, hop on the train and come north and enjoy all of the beauty that we have here in the Muskoka area. Well, you talked about the... Um the rail shed being one of only three. Now that's just part of the, uh, isn't there a special protection on the, the train station? Didn't we get a... There is a, um, I'm just trying to think, it was only in the 19, Sheila Copps was the one, I'm trying to think. Mm -hmm. Sheila Copps brought in the Heritage Railway Stations Protection Act in 1993 and our station is designated that as well we have a local designation under the heritage um, designation in Huntsville and we have an Ontario uh, heritage conservation easement on it it's only for parts of the building the exterior the windows the framework um, the trazo floor a number of um, so the renovations have gone on in the inside of the station in order to accommodate the needs of the day. But there's a lot of documentation that will allow people to enjoy um, what the years gone by would have looked like. And uh, I'm sure there's thousands of people that have stories about coming to Huntsville by train. Well, I know there's a connection with the, the station and my husband's family because his great grandfather was called Asa and he used to run a team of horses and that's what he used to do first of all he started out um, driving stagecoach from Gravenhurst to Burke's Falls but then as the train station arrived he sort of that was his job was to be there when the train came it was kind of interesting because as we were doing renovations at the train station over the years people would come up and tell us stories and one of the most interesting ones i found because farming was a big issue up here this is this is a free land area if you would come and farm and stay for x number of years but the reality of it is we had a lot of rocks in our farms uh, however dairy apparently did extremely well and we were one of the biggest shippers of cream which I didn't know. No, that's uh, new to me. To down to Peterborough area, and uh, 
this was uh, one of the things that made us famous up here was the quality of the cream because even though it couldn't the land couldn't be farmed much for grains it was good for mixed farming and, well, I can uh, understand. When you think of it, at one time there were three dairies in town. Mm-hmm. So there had to be some reason to have three dairies. So yes. that's. Yes. And so it was not uncommon to see baggage carts, several baggage carts loaded with milk cans with the cream, of course, in the top bubble. Well, the station was the heart of Huntsville for a long time because everything that, you know, it was sort of if, uh, if you owned it, if you bought it, a train brought it and to the town because that was basically the only way to get things here and uh, of course uh, people went to war from Huntsville on the train yeah um people relocated to Huntsville uh the growth of Huntsville was dependent upon the train the uh the fact that today uh it's a not available at the moment uh is a big issue for people moving around recognizing the needs of the environment well, it's it may be coming into the front of our minds again. So that sort of leads me into your other interest. Where are we at with Rail North? Well, in actual fact, we uh, we are making progress. Um, we've been at it now for ten years at least uh, to get the rail line restored because the Ontario Northland. Uh, being an agency of the government, the government decided to shut down the rail line in 2012, and so Huntsville has been without passenger rail. So a group of us uh, developed a uh, an advocacy group for Northern Ontario to get passenger rail back because we were basically isolated without the rail, especially when the amount of um, international travel was finding out about Muskoka. So. Th- we have been working with all the municipalities in Northern Ontario to get the uh, rail back. And uh, just prior to the recent election, we had a $75 million um, package of money put into the budget in order to acquire rolling stock so that the rail line can operate as of mid 20 So let's look at 2025 as being the target for getting a passenger train and I would welcome everybody to get a ticket for the first trip. I'll I'll be first in line for that. Well <laughs> no I won't. Be a party. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be behind you I guess in the line. So but anyway, thank you so much Lucille. We really appreciate you giving of your time. This has been touching the past. Join us next time when we discover more local history. <laughs>